Welcome to The Jesus Follower, a podcast about helping ordinary people be close to an extraordinary God. The goal? To help you experience the life you were designed to live in the good times, tough times, and in the moments that nobody else sees. Welcome into the program. Hello, Daniel. Hey, Andrew, and hello, everyone. Thanks for joining in with us again this week. We're glad you're here. Thank you for consuming this podcast. We're going to get right to the point here. We talked a lot about consumerism on Sunday, and let's just hop right into the sermon. We're going to talk about more of what you preached. Uh, it wasn't a typical sermon from you, Daniel, in yeah. terms of we weren't just in one passage, um, and we've been going a little bit through Jeremiah, but uh, you, you were pulling at a thread and finding a theme of things that weren't just in Jeremiah, but that were repeated in other places in uh, scripture as well to kind of paint to that bigger point of that biblical theology that a kind of a theme that traces through scripture so uh, can you speak to that how did that uh, play out for you yeah yeah it was uh it was really amazing and it was just there's a lot of things i feel like the lord is really teaching me i guess always there's those things that god is teaching us i'm so grateful for that and uh, you know, one of the things, you know, speaking of consumerism, you know, in the church, I think so often, I think that's where the challenge really began was, was that a lot of times we, we kind of have this idea that church needs to be a certain way. Like, like we just expect for things to happen for us and, and to be fed. And, and there's not so much of a hunger drive sometimes in the, in the house of the Lord. And what, what that, how that manifests itself is that we can sometimes become complacent in our, in our worship, in our service, in our, in our, our, our fire for the Lord. We can come become complacent and, and, and not really, actively moving forward in our relationship. And so as I started looking, I started in Haggai and I thought, you know, that's a great place. You know, that was a, that, that's a place and we moved there eventually, but that was a place where they ended up uh, setting the work of God's house kind of aside. It started with a, a letter written back and a kind of a mandate to stop work. And then they just were satisfied in that and they, they never mm. returned and they just instead focused on their own stuff. And then I, God just through his word just said, Look, this isn't the only time I felt like basically that that mankind has had a problem with what the concept of worship is supposed to be all about. And yeah. and so I started looking at Jeremiah, Haggai, looked into the New Testament at Jesus and, and just realized that this is a consistent theme that that oftentimes mankind wants to and I think this is the big thing for me, wants to redefine what is supposed to take place in the house of the Lord or what is mm. taking place in the house of the Lord. And so whether that is uh, I'm going to I'm going to do a shared worship scenario where I, I give my focus and attention to something outside the rest of the week. And then I come to the house of worship and want God to just accept what I'm laying down mm, or right. or whether that's, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to just set God off to the side. And if something happens to come along that says it's OK for me or, or, or conveniently I can focus on him again, then I will. Otherwise, I'm just going to do my own thing. Uh, yeah. Or even in Jesus's day, where it becomes almost a profitable business, if you will, where you know you're buying and selling in the in the place of worship, and instead of worshiping God, and Jesus has to say, you know, basically throw tables over and, and kind of get people's attention. But it it really spoke volumes, I think, from the Word of God that just says to us that this is a tendency. When it comes to the church and the concept of worship, this is mankind's tendency 
throughout the history that we want to come in. And even though it's a place of worship, it's a place of serving in spirit and in truth or, or worship in spirit and in truth, we redefine it and, and try to add our own twist to it. Mm. And God consistently says, no, this is not acceptable. And this is not what I have said you need to be this is not what it's supposed to be about yeah yeah it's it's scary i think sometimes it's very subtle in terms of how that can creep into either our thinking or our worship or the way we operate as a church and we've been uh talking about that i was convicted um i felt like god spoke to me while you were while you were preaching is that in these texts and that reality um growing up and throughout church, I was just raised in church, and along the way, I felt as if, um, and not because of anybody else, because of my sinfulness, that it was better to have a good appearance than to grow in character, essentially, oh, yeah. that if you looked right at church, if you dressed right and uh, grew in your personality even and could hold a conversation, then people will perceive you. That, that'll get you further in uh, the church or in life than um, the the things that people don't see yeah and uh oftentimes we can reward that as a church but i was convicted because that brings a lot of pressure and i think oftentimes in that sinfulness even i can find myself exhausted after a sunday morning and not for the best reasons even though in my mind it's for the right reasons but actually i'm trying to put on a front so much and to make sure i check off boxes a b c and d and those boxes are you know talking to the right people making sure that everyone feels welcome but not for like gospel reasons just to uh you know do my job or be a good uh you know just for more selfish motives so that's really hard because we can do that and think we're doing all of the right things. And those are good things. Yeah, they, and uh, the things like a good reputation in scripture, it says, is very valuable and it's good to present yourself well. But um, it, it could be in your heart very easily. You could do those things and as well be dead inside. Yeah. So it's very deceptive, especially when we talk about con- consumerism and, and, and this idea in the 21st century is that we can't deceive ourselves into thinking that we can completely not be influenced by the culture around us in those hard ways. Um, And if we do, then we are deceiving ourselves because of those reasons mentioned. It just seeps so deep into our sinful, sinful cells. I think this text spoke to that really deeply in me. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it, it it uncovered a lot, and it was really a hard passage, I felt like, and I don't know, I hope uh, everyone that heard it, you know, they felt the love in it first, but I I think that we just, you know, we have a tendency, and we've talked about that, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunities, you know, ministry opportunities, a lot of open doors that God gives us, and uh, it's just, a, and, and it's not just uh, someone else's, it also can be mine, this tendency that we want to just kind of we just kind of want to lean back and just kind of yeah. sit and wait for something to drop right in front of us and say, instead of saying, listen, I just want to, I want to draw near to God. How can I do that? And, and approaching people and saying, Hey, I want to be involved. I want to get in the word. I want to be in Sunday school. I want to be in Bible study. I want to be, you know, instead of, because you know, I mean, a lot of times you don't get that approach from people where they, they are hungry and they say, I just want to know what, what is available that I can jump into so that I 
I can grow closer. Mm-hmm. And and that really challenged me because what we want for the for people is is a closer walk with Him is is a a more intimate relationship. And so the things that are here, you know, when we think about things like Sunday school, and I know Sunday school is kind of a an old maybe some would say an old concept, but it's it's a it's an arm of discipleship. I heard someone say, and I think that's true, where you get into a small group Bible study, and you know, even in Getty on Sunday night of our, our worship time there, uh, which is just a sweet time in the Word and in worship, it's so different than Sunday morning because you're able to dig a little bit deeper into the Word of God and, and ask questions and have some discussion where on Sunday morning you can't always do that. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I, I saw this picture, you know, sometimes we we dig a little and we get to a certain level and then it's almost like we're satisfied with the level that we've dug to and we stop digging and, and it's like, but, but there's no end to the depth that you can reach if you just keep digging because yeah. of the, the, the fullness of the word of God, the, the richness of the word of God. And so it's like, we can't sit. And, and I, and I think that's what, especially in Haggai, what they did was they were like, Oh, we've made it back. Mm, we yeah. seven years of captivity behind us. We're back, and oh, oh, they stopped the temple work. Okay, fine. We'll just work on our own stuff. At least we made it back. That's a part of it. And, right. and they just sat on it. And God's mm-hmm. like, no, that's not. You want to know why you're not seeing fruitfulness? Why you're not getting blessings? Well, you're not putting me first. You're concerned about your own stuff first, and you're allowing my house to just lie unfinished. You know? Mm, yeah. Yeah. You're right. There, there's multiple ways we can go from that. I think, yeah, yeah. It's you know, yeah. What were you going to say? Oh, well, yeah. It's just it's. It, there's a whole lot. There's there's a whole lot there. And and in each scenario, Jeremiah, Haggai, and Matthew was where we were at. And in each one, it is it's a little bit of a different situation, but it's still a common thread. And that's what we were kind of pulling on is that is that self is still trying to control what takes place in the house of God mm. and and trying to control what's going on in the house of God to the point that it may be false gods. It may be burning incense to Baal here and worshiping here. It may be just neglecting. It may be trying to make money, but whatever it is, it's not what God said. It's what we want to say is going to happen in the house of God uh, or not happen with the house of God. And, mm-hmm. and God's like, listen, you are not, I, I feel like, we are not the ones in control of that. We are to be worshiping the one, the creator, the one that truly is all powerful, all knowing the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Yeah. Not dictating what goes on because that's what we want to see happen. And I think that can easily be the case. It can. I think also what it does in a theological sense, and that's where I was getting to, I had to look in uh, concordance to remember what this verse was, but uh, it it heightens, I think, the view, the Christian view of the body, like our physical body, because a lot of times I think the way that seeps in to our worship, and we use worship even in the understanding of worship in the modern day, it's all music and consuming that music, even that, uh, uh, the, the, or uh, what's the word, the business, uh, for more or less, of Christian music is centered on what Hillsong church elevation church. And it's all like this big business really for, and it's not that it's nefarious because of that, but it's kind of this big thing. And uh, we've even heard in our church with questions that um, we've asked people or with people tell us or just people's opinions, everyone has them, but it, it sometimes boils down to, I 
I uh, am able to worship best when this, this, or this happens, or I feel, uh, you know, worshipful, or I feel the presence of God when either we sing this song or we do this thing, and it's all about me, me, me. Yeah, and I yeah. can get there as well. But uh, me too. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we we all do and can. But uh, my mind was drawn to Romans twelve one, uh, and uh, Paul is talking to the Romans about the just God's pursuing of Israel, Israel's rejection of of God, but yet He's still drawing to them. He didn't reject His people, and um, it kind of ends with a therefore here, um, as it often does with Paul. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing and the perfect will of God. And what's centered on that idea is that it's very even though it's passive and that we are being transformed by God, we still have to take that active position in what we believe to be worship and how we worship God. It's not just a being filled by God. That's definitely a huge part of it, but also for it to be true worship, it's presenting your bodies as a sacrifice to God. And I think we can complicate that for sure by having either too many programs, too hard of an onboarding process, but a lot of those are 21st century ideas and very modern uh, discipleship uh, you know, uh, processes, which isn't necessarily biblical. It helps for biblical, you yeah. know, development, and we need that. Uh, there's a book called Trellis and the Vine. That's a good uh, representation of that good analogy. But yeah, uh, y- you you still need that active participation, even yeah. when it doesn't feel like worship, for it to be true worship scripturally. Yeah, and and if you're if you're the one in that verse that you read, if we're the one presenting then that almost puts in mind like you're stepping like you are like when you present something you step forward and and present it's yeah. a, it's not you're you're sitting back and here you go it's more like i am stepping up and i'm saying here's my body as a living sacrifice that obedience uh, yeah, yeah that obedience which which is is something that's hard because so much of the consumer driven culture that we live in seems to, to to just draw us and lead us to this place well we just need to sit back and expect feeding instead of stepping forward in obedience and offering mm-hmm. uh, and, and so it it's so countercultural in a sense of it's not what we often see and and yet that's what the word of god clearly states is that we are are there and i'm the same way that you described like your Sunday morning or whatever could be mm-hmm. where where you're trying to put on this front is the way that that it feels like it feels like that sometimes that we have to we have to come in and, and and we have to try to look a certain way or do a certain thing but but the reality is is that we we're not there to put on a front really we're there to worship a holy god yeah who doesn't isn't fooled by the front that we put on for everyone else anyway. So the question would, it would beg the question, who, what, what do we think that we're really doing by putting that front on? Because the one that we're there to worship sees right through it. So the ones that we're fooling is not the ones we're there really and truly number first and foremost for anyway. So it's kind of like, it's just kind of a crazy mentality that, you know, Haggai says, God says in verse five, Haggai one, five and seven, he says this phrase, consider your ways. 
and it's kind of it was just a reminder to me in the in the whole context of it all that we just need to make sure that we evaluate that we don't just take for granted that we are doing what we need to do and we need to consider our ways are are we losing sight in our own personal life of what true worship is supposed to be about as as Jesus specifies in John 4 with the woman at the well uh, are we losing sight of that are we corporately as a church losing sight of what that true worship is supposed to be in spirit and in truth or, or, or are are we where we need to be but I think a, a healthy consideration of our ways on a, a continuous basis from time to time is probably a good thing to do just like we would in our own life spiritually you know have we been sinning and not repenting are there things there that we need to you know take before God and and, and we need to do that because if not there are so many things that can add up that can really become problematic in our spiritual life I think scripturally and even it just seems like a great indicator of when that is happening and when we're getting on board with God's view of things and his plan is when we're convicted of that kind of sin where it's like the socially acceptable sin yeah to where you're not uh, you know, turned off by something somebody does in the sanctuary or, you know, just something. Uh, it could be easy just in a numerous number of examples to look and say, I don't, uh, you know, like that song. Uh, that's personal. You know, I'm a lead worship here. Um, I don't like what that person's wearing. I don't, uh, you know, the, the something is, is off and just kind of that judgmental nature not to sometimes you need to have the discerning eye and that's always the case but uh if you're well no wonder i've been there too you can't feel the spirit when that's happening because i've been in sin in those times we're in sin when we're doing those things gossip that god you know just these things that god doesn't like yeah and if we're really in him we're not going to be trying to please him well we're, we're not going to be trying to uh you, you know put on front clean ourselves up before him and just please him by that our own works in that sense like yeah. we're just putting on that front but we're going to want that intimacy with him want his will truly for our lives and to say that uh show me where i'm wrong and then that gives you the freedom to be you know have that transparency in yeah. a worship service setting um so yeah, I think a lot of that falls into place when when God is truly in control. But that's kind of hard. You got to peel out a lot of layers. I think of our presuppositions to what Christianity is to be able to get there. Yeah, you do got to you do got to peel out a lot of layers. You know, I mean, a lot of the things that we even notice. I mean, you know, when you talk about like. You know, there, there, there are places where it may be too far, but in general, you know, terms, you know, when we talk about arrangements and things that are, are so minor in comparison to the real reason why we're supposed to be here. And those are the things that stick out the greatest. You have to take a step back and say, okay, am I, am I really paying attention to the right things? You know, I mean, if, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and, and part of the, you know, when you talk about music, you know, I know a lot of times we like familiar songs, but really it's not the familiarity of the song that is the primary importance it is actually the words and and the heart and 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 the spirit moving through so is it is it something that you're worshiping to you know i think sometimes for me the song being familiar can be a hindrance because i don't have to think about the words at all i just know what the words are and i can Mm -hmm. repeat those but I think, you know, there is beauty in being able to just really reflect on what the words are, what 
how they're describing the characteristics and attributes of God and and just the the condition of the heart in the midst of that. And and I think sometimes, you know, I know music is a is a little bit of a hot button issue, right? I mean, there's everybody's got pretty strong opinions on that, but you know, I grew up in a in a context of of hymns being used and I like hymns, but I can tell you that I learned hymns so well that I didn't have to pick up a book and I didn't have to think about the words at all. I could just I memorized them. I memorized the page numbers. I knew exactly what they said, and and the words are good. But if you're not worshiping, it's not a matter of just the, the saying words. It's a matter of the shape of the heart. Like right, where where are you lifting this praise to? Are you even thinking about it? And uh, and I think sometimes right. things like that are missed. You know, the the seating arrangements. You know, something new that we've changed. The uh, the, the the different small things. It's like you know that doesn't really and truly that doesn't really make a big difference in the in the grand scheme of things because we're not there for those kind of things we're there for the spirit of the lord we're there to worship we're there because we just want to know him and be intimate with him and none of those things um, are hindering that really or shouldn't be hindering that really if the wrong doctrine is taught if the word's not being preached if if truth isn't being proclaimed if love isn't expressed like the the bible you know then those things are a bigger deal but uh, it seems like and i think that even for myself it's kind of one of those consider your way situation okay yeah. so it clearly in the span of human history is very easy for us to get off track in the house of the Lord or in the temple or or whatever the, the context may be. And so to consider your ways on a consistent basis is is just a, a great checks and balances for me just to make sure that, okay, even as the pastor, that you're not missing something huge and hindering in that the spirit for, from moving and doing what God would have the spirit to do. And I think that's right. the bigger issue. Well, yeah, that's what... It opens so many more doors, I think, for us to be so much more uh, explorative, even in terms of things like music or things uh, or creative, even like music or the seating arrangements or even yeah, just yeah. theology to be able to search these things. Because uh, just take, for instance, for music, if we're um, I've been challenged, I want to uh, just challenge us and how I choose the songs or um, whatever we do to be more like the Bereans in the Bible to just discover what is true. And I do think really if we are Christians, we're in the word and we treasure the things of God, then in our congregational worship, if we're um, singing the right things, even if it's new, we're not going to be then primarily drawn towards a style of music. We're going to be drawn towards the truth that we're singing together. And that, like what you said, the words and that reality that we can gather with people of like mind and sing together one song. That's just a, uh, such a, an encouraging thing to our soul and spiritually. That's what the, the early church sang together. And that's why it's not just something to attract people. This is a, a habit from the beginning of yeah. people to sing together. So when uh, I've probably been choosing too many um, new songs, but I've been trying to get over the notion because I'm younger, obviously, I live in the 21st century 
century and uh, lean towards the more contemporary songs. But oftentimes, like we were talking with Hillsong or Elevation, the uh, the songs that are popular aren't the best songs. They're just they just have a lot of money behind them, and yeah, they yeah. oftentimes they are good. But I've been challenged uh, recently. I'm not uh, going to rush to introduce any new Hillsong songs. And there's always the new uh, you know conversation about theology of those churches. We wouldn't I wouldn't attend Hillsong Church, but I would. I, I've uh, you know looked over that because the songs like King of Kings we sing is a very theological biblical song, and uh, they sing that. But now you know this stuff's come out about them with the um, just the sexual abuse things and Carl Lentz in New York and financial mismanagement, and now it's clear that they they're just not really acting like Christians. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. so it's not uh, on that level. We can go there, but I have to challenge myself in that direction to you know it just. Uh, like with hymns to sing things that are scripturally driven and are are good and even with hymns there are some hymns that aren't very theologically good i grew up singing the song um, he lives and um, at the end not like it's not true but it says you ask me how i know he lives he lives within my heart yeah and that's true but you hear that it's like no he actually lives right like he's (laughs) actually bodily physically resurrected and he's physically coming back yeah yeah. so in my you know that uh unquestionably diminishes the deity and humanity of Christ. And yeah. I, I, we're not going to sing that. You know? yeah. So it's not whether we have to be discerning in terms of what we sing together. And then ideally with what we sing, that draws us closer to a love of each other because we're singing together and a love of scripture. And I think that opens the door then to where it's not just, are we singing hymns? Are we singing newer songs? We're diving deep into why we do each thing. And that's opened up because Christ has set that all up for us. We don't have to construct that because if, if we were, then it just starts at those superficial places because in yeah. our sin, we're superficial. Yeah. But in Christ, it starts from that place of depth and supernatural power that we wouldn't come from ourselves. And that's how we see transformation. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's all very good points. And, and this, this is all the stuff. So when I, when I started to prepare the message, it, it was, it was just in Hag, Haggai, but then uh, I've been reading it in Jeremiah as he talked about that we we've been working through there, and then the Lord just kind of opened the door to show that this was a uh, throughout the ages type situation. And so uh, both Andrew and I, and here at Rolling Hills Baptist Church, that's the one thing that we want to make sure that we have in order in everything we do, whether it's the the music which we have talked some about, and or, or the or the word and 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 the scriptures and and or the Bible stuff, whatever the case, we want to make sure that everything we're doing. We're not just doing it blindly, uh, but we're doing it spirit-led and, yeah. and not, not allowing other components to influence that other than the Spirit of God and His leading in those things. And, uh, and so it's one of the things that we constantly, because so many churches are engaging, well, I won't say so many, but it just seems like, the, it seems like from my perspective that there's churches that easily can be allow the culture to infiltrate and be the, the lead truly as far as what happens happens inside and we just don't want to do that you know we it's not the culture's job to do that we're we're in the world but not up you know we are following Christ so so our main goal and thrust and effort is to be spirit led and to be obedient to him in everything that we do uh, and and I feel like God just kind of said look you know we need to always make sure that the direction we're hungering is the right direction is not a direction that points it back to ourselves 
and that tries to grip the the sanctification process, the worship process with 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 a hard and and stern grip, but is is something that says, Lord, this is your church, this is your house, you are the head, Lord Jesus, and and we just want to be obedient to you. And I praise God for such a reality check uh, and such a great uh, statement to consider your ways. And uh, I think it's something that I was just challenged with, and I always want to be at that place where I'm considering the ways and making sure that we are doing everything that we can do to stay in line and not quench the spirit in in the life of the believer in the house of God, either one, you know. So when it comes down to it, to end, what would you say, and I could probably speak to it too, but what would you say, how can we better discern the ways of God in our operation as a church and as as Christians? How do we see growth in that? Yeah, so I, I think that this word is is monumentally important in that, and mm-hmm. and sometimes you know we we know cliche uh, statements or verses, but uh, we want to learn, we want to know God more through His Word, the intimacy with God, and 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 the learning to listen to what the Spirit is speaking and leading in. I think that is monumentally important, and and, and so often. And I keep going back to this. I can't remember who said it, but uh, to not major on the minors, because I think when we major on the minors in the church, that's when we're taking control and we're mm. saying, yeah. hey, you know, this is really a big deal. But if it if it isn't, thus says the Lord, it's not according to Scripture, then it's really a preference-based thing more a lot of times than it is really a theological thing that really needs to be a big thrust and emphasis inside the house of God. And so I think just just being honest Mm. is really important. Uh, And sometimes we don't want that because it's convicting. I'm speaking for myself. But honestly, I mean, I'm at a place on Sunday mornings, and we've talked about this, and I'll just be transparent since I said honesty, and we always want to be transparent, where it's like it almost feels like it's there's too much. It's too it, there's too many busy body thing types, you know, type stuff going on that 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 just makes it hard sometimes to focus on the main things. And, and I feel like that's something that, you know, God's just brought, brought to light and said, listen, this needs to almost maybe change, needs to be a little different. We need to, we need to do things differently because we want to keep the main thing the main thing. And so uh, that, that for me is what, but it all comes back to this word because God's faithful, just like in the message, God's faithful to show, hey, here's a problem. Self gets in the way that doesn't need to happen because the first thing in following Jesus is denying yourself, one of the first things and, and taking up your cross. So uh, for me, from my perspective, that's that's just kind of knowing this word as more than just a, uh, uh, just a, a good guideline, but the actual words from our almighty father in heaven um, is is a really big deal and a, and a f- good first step. That reality even brings more color to that meaning of deny yourself. It's not just uh, make yourself poor, make yourself hungry. It's not an asceticism kind of thing where you're just making yourself suffer. It's God's will over mine to where we're going to major on the majors, even though the minors might be more pressing or more attractive or we have more power in the minors or we feel more control. And so oftentimes that's even masked as worship, you know, is that control. Um, if we're denying ourselves, then we're saying not my agenda, but 
God's agenda. Yeah, that's right. That's a that's well put, I would say. And and we 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 have to we have to get to that place, I think, to see and and again, you know, just Last thing about the, the the different passages, but in Haggai, because well, two things because they were neglecting God's house, uh, they were things were being withheld from them. Um, mm. And Jesus's day, you know, when Jesus goes into the temple, I find it very interesting that after he does what he does to drive those money changers out, then you know miracles are happening. It talks about miracles directly after that. It talks about. Worship seemingly taking place directly after that, and it was just like a like a light bulb, like oh, okay. So if we will stop doing that, where we are actually uh, are wrapping ourselves around, intertwining ourselves in a lot of stuff that just gives us control, but really isn't worship. If we'll get that stuff out, yeah. then maybe we'll we'll see God in such a, a, a miraculous and amazing way. And I'm not saying it will be necessarily with healings, or it could be, but it just we'll just feel His presence. And we'll be able to truly worship in spirit and in truth and not mm. with all these other things kind of pulling at our mind and our attention, even when we're trying to focus on God. Not as many other distractions, but just simply being in his presence, which is really mm. what we need. You know. And another practical thing, I think, it, just speaking of Sunday morning that might help in that is that uh, I know I'm a, I tend to be a last minute kind of person. And we've talked about even just preparing things earlier in the week to make Sunday morning a, a uh, you know, less hectic experience. But even if like if you're arriving at 1058 and the service starts at 11, you're missing out on a lot of well, and you're not staying afterwards. You're missing out on a lot of that fellowship that's crucial to Christian health and the operation of the church. If your experience in church is just sitting through a worship service and you're not really a part of the church, you're just taking in a service. Yeah. And if you're not, you know, singing or anything, that's that's true. It, it involves participation, as we've talked about yeah. in the Christian life in general, but also in the church. So part of that might be coming at, you know, to Sunday school yeah. at 930 and then stay that, that, that half hour is baked in there for a reason so that we can, uh, you know, just live together and and talk without that uh, pressure of okay I gotta find my seat I gotta uh, sing now gotta get, yeah. gotta get there you know yeah, to get yeah. in there I know I'd be nervous about that but uh, that's that's another I think practical thing that could go a long way in yeah, the life of yeah. the church and 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 then Sunday school you know we uh, we've kind of talked about Sunday school quite a bit but really you know it comes from a place of love. Like if I if I didn't think that Sunday, you know, for me, some of the greatest growth I feel like in my life and some of the uh, the greatest Bible studies or times in the word is when you're in a small group setting and you're just around the word and and asking questions and digging deep and, and iron sharpening iron. And and those are great times where uh, and so the, the, it comes from a place of love because our desire is for every every believer that's a part of this body to grow closer with not only their church you know Thessalonians talks about Paul encourages them to to grow in in love uh it, it actually and I and I'll read it specifically we were talking about this Wednesday night but he he talks he uses this this statement that God really just spoke to me through he says and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men even as we do towards you and and so in those times we can grow in love for one and you know grow in love for one another 
another, grow in love in, in our relationship with God. I mean, we could just grow. And so we encourage it because we we love and love you and desire people to grow in that and to see deeper and to understand more. And, and so even though, you know, I think sometimes it feels like it, or from my perspective, it may feel like, well, you're just getting on this and you're talking, you know, you're harping on this, but it, but it really comes from, I just, you know, we want people to see God as clear as they can possibly see him. And, yeah. and that comes from just being in his word together. That comes from growing together. It comes from just uh, fellowship, like you said. And, and it's hard to find sometimes when all you're doing is showing up and leaving immediately and you don't have any, con- you're not really connecting a lot. You're not spending that time intimately with other people, with God, uh, you know, and, and, and so it just, uh, you end up missing out on so much, I think, when that's the case. You do. You do. So if you're uh, at, at Rolling Hills, you didn't know we had Sunday school or haven't been a part, uh, you can go to fourfairfield.com slash next steps. There's a button there, I believe that says uh, sign up or inquire about a Sunday school class. You'll be dire- connected directly to, I think, me and um, maybe our Sunday school director, Allie Tendum. Yeah. And uh, we'll get you connected with a class, you know, you know shop around with the class that we have. We have very qualified uh and passionate teachers, and that's a, that's a big part of what we do. So that's 9.30 on Sundays to 10.30, and then 11 uh, a.m. Uh, worship service. But uh, I think I should probably wrap up yeah, our yeah. time today. Um, but thank you so much, uh, Daniel. Thank you for uh, listening. We're so excited. On Friday, we're going to be talking to uh, Jen Pollock-Michelle. She's a, a Christian uh, author. She's been, or a, a columnist, rather, in uh, Christianity Today, a regular contributor there. And And uh, now uh, her home is in Cincinnati, Ohio. So we're excited to uh, join her, or for her to join us rather here and uh, super excited about that. She actually, I think, writes about a lot of these things that we talked about today. So that should be a great conversation. Yeah, yeah. Very exciting. Exciting to to have people on the show and to be able to, uh, or on the show, on the podcast, on our time together and uh, just glean from folks outside even of the church and what God's doing there as well. It's a real blessing. Uh, So we look forward to that hope you can join in with us yeah awesome well thank you so much we'll see you friday have a great day